You are listening to Life Clips, Episode 4. Hey everyone, Kim here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. The title of this episode is How to Overcome Addictions and Our Past. And that's where I'm going to leave the title because I can't give too much because our guest is going to give it all, so to speak. This introduction of today's episode is going to be relatively quick because I'd like to bring a guest on who has battled the addictions in life, who had to overcome the past. So how did she do that? What tools did she use? You know, I am not going to sit here on this episode and be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I personally do not believe um, that addiction is a disease. I believe addiction is a choice. However, don't tune out. Keep however you think it is. Keep your opinion. I will keep mine. That's what makes us all family. I believe that it is not a disease because through Christ, the choices that we make can be overcome. But it's a challenge and it's tough. And that's the problem with any sin in our life, we have to work at it and we have to overcome. So I would like to bring on um, an amazing guest who is going to give an insight into her life. And I do want to preface this by saying the um, connection that we have is not the greatest. And she's a little bit under the weather. So there may be some coughing or the clearing of the throat. So please keep that in mind. Um, You know, sometimes on podcasts, no, they're not always going to be perfect. And again, I'm not a $1.5 million podcast. I am just little old me that God is using. So uh, there's never going to be perfection. But I do know one thing that this podcast will always have. And that's the direction of the Holy Spirit. So what I would like to do is I would like to bring in my friend, Debbie. Hey, Deb, are you there? Hey, Kim, how are you doing? I am good. So you can hear me okay? Yes, ma'am, I can. All right. Wonderful, wonderful. So I just let our audience know that you're a little under the weather. There might be some clearing of the throat and some coughing. So, um... Don't feel like you can't do that and there's pressure and all of a sudden you're like dying, you know, and because you're like, I can't do it. So I don't know if you have tuned into any of my episodes. I can only hope that you have. But when I bring people on, I do what's called a life clip of their entire life. And what I mean by that is you kind of just take your entire life from the points that you can remember until current day or whatever, and you give a life clip of your entire life for about one to two minutes. That way our family can get to know who you are. So, Deb, if you want to, please um, give our family an insight and your life clip. 
Okay, first of all, I want to say I'm just so happy to be here today. You know, God's been so good to me my whole life. He's taken care of me, and he's brought me out of great darkness, and I, I'm just feeling so blessed to be able to share this with uh, our listening family. Uh, just real quick, I was I was born into a dysfunctional family, mother an alcoholic, father an alcoholic, molested at the age of four by my uncles. My father died of alcoholism, and... It just seems after that, darkness just set in, and uh, I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. Um, my natural day-to-day life was growing up in a house where prostitution and drugs were being sold, and, you know, and that's the path that I followed. Nobody could tell me any different, and I spent 25 years in that lifestyle, and uh, I'll tell you what, had the Lord not been with me all those, all those years, I wouldn't be here today. Amen. Amen. So I was uh, jotting down some things as you were talking. And uh, what I always like to do is just kind of dive in to words spoken so we can get a little bit more clarity of what you meant by that. So you had said that you didn't know because of your upbringing what right and wrong were. Can you explain that? Absolutely. For the first 12 years of my life, all I knew was bringing men into the house and, and, and sleeping with them and selling drugs and, you know, that kind of thing. Watching my my mother and her brothers fight over drugs and alcohol and cussing and all that, you know, that was the norm for me. So I took on that norm, you know, and... uh when I started getting older and started feeling that lack, that hole inside, because I wanted to belong so bad. My father died from alcoholism. My mother, she was living a wayward lifestyle, and I had, I didn't have the attention and the love that I needed. So what happened was I, I went along with the family pattern, and I was introduced to marijuana and uh, that was the first drug that I was introduced to, and it caused me to uh, escape from the pain and the emptiness that I was feeling at a very early age. Yeah, I was just going to uh, ask it, you that, sis. How old were you when you were introduced to marijuana? Ten years old. Wow. So that's I the was, first time was, that you actually smoked. That's the very first time I actually uh, smoked a uh, marijuana cigarette, yes. And uh, wow. I'll tell you, it, 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 it just made me feel free. Um, mm. it just, it, it, I, it, I experienced something that I hadn't experienced before, and I said, this must be good, you know. Mm. And uh, it, took, it took many years, and, uh, you know, the marijuana led to uh, coke, uh, crack cocaine by the time I was 15 years old. Wow. And... Uh, I, I I wound up walking the streets doing what I had to do to get my drugs, you know. Um, that was the only place where I felt like that, um, you know, that I had I had place and I had purpose and I, I felt like I didn't have to face that pain of neglect and emptiness that I had before because now I belong in a, a specific spot in society which wasn't a good spot, but at that time, it was it was soothing and it brought a way of escape for me. Mm. So I know that now currently, and I try not to use Christianese a lot on this show, only because we can lose our listeners. So I always try to use terms that somebody would understand. So what I'm going to ask you is, 
right now I know that you're a born again believer, that you are a Christian. However, we're not going to talk about that right now. Um, as I said in the beginning, um, before you came on, I personally do not believe addiction is a disease. I don't think it's like cancer or like anything like that. I believe that addiction is a choice. You choose to do that. Like you don't choose to get cancer, but a lot of people will disagree with me and I'm okay with that. Uh, and, but there's also people who will agree with me with addiction. Um, I personally have a friend of mine that has been on and off with this addiction. I don't know, uh, over 30 years. Um, clearly he got out for a while, found sobriety, lived or still does or wherever he is now in Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, you always know when they're back on it because they get quiet. So he's been quiet since December. And I just find that really heartbreaking and sad. So I ask those questions. Um, and again, I understand where your life is now. But do you think that addiction is a disease or a choice? Well, to be honest with you, Kim, when I first was introduced to the recovery process, uh, you know, they taught that, you know, alcoholism and drug addiction is a disease, um, and I believe that for the longest time. Um, but, you know, it got to a point so in my life So who's teaching you that? Was this a secular, or was this like an A? Was it like a celebrate recovery? Let's take a quick break. Everyone is podcasting these days. If this is something you want to do, or you're already doing it, I would recommend using Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help you find the right equipment at the right price. I currently use the Blue Yeti. Buzzsprout is an extremely user-friendly platform, and I could not be happier with their services. There are so many things that this site allows you to do. From your show being listed on every major podcast platform to the audio player that you can use seamlessly on your websites to the detailed analytics of what we, come on guys, the podcasters want to see. Don't lie. I know you look at that too. We want to know who was listening, where they're listening, how long they're listening. There are zero hassles because Buzzsprout provides these tools and more to help promote our podcasts. Fellow podcasters, do we not work hard? Well, I am here to tell you that Buzzsprout works even harder to make our podcasts stream streamlessly. Yes, I know that's not a word. If you want to join a company that already has over 100,000 podcasters, click the link and let Buzzsprout know that we sent you. This will get you a $20 credit if you sign up for a paid plan. And in addition, of course, it'll help support our show. Don't delay. Start Buzzsprouting today. It was, it was a secular AA and NA. Um, mm -hmm. Also, there was, you know, some some uh, Christian 12-steps who also believe it to be a disease. And mm -hmm. it got to a point in my life where I started saying, you know, that a, a disease, yes, it's, it's a terminal thing, but, you know, I've seen people recover, and it's because of they were making right choices. 
does affect you spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, but it's definitely not a disease. It, it's it's curable and uh, it's not terminal. Right, <laughs> um, right. Only if they, only if they choose it to be that way. Right, and I agree. I do agree with that, and I think that's where we might lose some people on this episode because they are adamant on saying that it is a disease. And I think to your point, that's why I had asked, you know, NA, um, AA, you know, I mean, I myself have been in those recovery groups, secular. So I know what they say. And I never really agreed with that because I was like, "Mm, I don't have a disease. Like this is a choice that I've made since I was 18, you know, no one put a gun to my head. The moment I partook in alcohol was the moment I chose to do that. So anyway, um, I know we can belabor that one. So I, I appreciate your input on that. So you now are 15 years old and you're clearly an addict. Um, Did you, if you don't want to talk about anything, please, I will not get offended if I'm overstepping. If it's too personal and too private, just be like him. I I don't want to discuss that. But so you're 15. Did you do things to get those drugs? And if so, give us an insight of that. Oh, absolutely. There's definitely uh, nothing to be ashamed about um, in this whole process because, you know, it's, 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 it's part of the story. It's part of the reality of, of where drugs and alcohol can bring you to continue to choose down that road, you know, to follow that path. And, uh, you know, I was first introduced to crack cocaine at the age of 15 years old, and uh, the people that introduced it to me uh, told me that there's a way to get more, and they mm. they introduced me into, like, a prostitution ring. Mm-mm-mm. And... Uh, they, I went ahead and uh, I got involved in that, and it was evening money, and I could get my drugs, and there again, it was filling another void because at that point, you know, I had not had a father figure in my life since I lost my father at the age of four, and now here I am being accepted by these men, you know, sexually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yeah, and that that was like the beginning of many, many years of sorrow for me. Right. Wow. So, and I'm trying to always tread lightly on these because, again, I this is putting personal information that is out there, and I have to respect that. So, so here you are, 15. When did you really start? Like, at what age were you like a bona fide addict? Um, did how? So, I guess my question. Is you started really at 15, so was it like 15 and a half? Like, how long did the addiction take to seep into your being? Like, that's all that you wanted. Because my question is, shouldn't you be in school at this time, right? So, immediately, okay, immediately, I I, uh, skipped school, I dropped out of school, you know, I ran away from home just to be able to do the drugs, you know. Um, I did whatever I could, but, I mean, when I was first introduced to that, that crack cocaine, I, it took me over immediately. And, uh, like I said, I was doing things that, you know, to somebody else might have, they might have said, you know, wow, you know, that's a horrible thing. But then again, you know, that's what I grew up in, you know, prostitution in our house, you know, my uncle, you know, bringing ladies in, and, you know, so on and so forth. But, uh, 
Yeah, so it took immediately. And I'm just baffled when I hear uh, people's life clips like this, knowing that it stems from the family. And I'm going to get onto that. I'm actually going to leave a note so I don't forget to circle back on it. Um, because there again, I think a lot of people disagree with me on what I'm going to mention later because of family patterns. So you said you were basically fatherless and then your mom. Um, so you really just had no guidance from anybody. So what, during this time, what was your mom doing or your siblings or what was happening with your family function? Like here's this girl who's not even 18 who is now selling herself for drugs. So where was your family unit during this time? Well, let me back it up just a little bit, Kim. My father, when he died when I was four years old of alcoholism, and it was mm. just not even two years later, my mother remarried. Uh, she married a man who was 21 years old, and she was 28. And uh, he was—he had no clue about life. He—he uh, he was uh, very, very focused on him and and, and bodybuilding and all this stuff. And uh, so anyway, so you know. Uh, he married into the family, and uh, he really didn't want kids. He had a bad taste in his mouth about kids. And, uh, you know, uh, I, my sister, she was three years old, and my stepfather, you know, blackened her eye because she peed in the bed. And that didn't, when I was just nine years old, just to give an example of the things that my help you know, led me up to where I was, uh, at nine years old, uh, I forget exactly what it was I did, but he, he bruised my ribs severely. So he's a very angry man. Um, so that was kind of like, you know, the extra push that, that where I wanted to get away right. from all so this. So you also yeah. had abuse. Sorry to cut you off, sis. So you also had abuse in your family at the hands of your stepdad, physical that's correct. abuse. Correct. Wow. And at nine years old, that's when that's us now. Okay. So at nine, you were being abused. Then at 10, so who introduced you to the marijuana? Uh, my grandmother. <laughs> wow. And what was her purpose, just to be, like, cute and funny? Uh, because that's what she did with her children. And um, I, to this day, I don't know how DCF had not taken, uh, you know, my mother away from her mother, nor us away from my, my mother. Um, it was just the norm in the family, and, you know, she might have thought that she was being cute at the time, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it, it just was what it was, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and I say that because, you know, like tongue-in-cheek. So I remember growing up, um, I was young, you know, kind of a little taste of whiskey. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, that's what I meant, like, they weren't going to get me drunk, but or like putting a little beer in a baby's bottle, right? And that's parents find that humorous, but it's really not humorous. And so that's why I was asking, like, where did that come from? Was again like a haha, Deb smoked this, um, and I'm sure you coughed. I mean, I, I remember when I had my first cigarette in the second grade. I thought my lungs were burning. Um, so what was your reaction at that young age? Um, I know you said it made you feel good. So what else was going through your head at that time? Well, I mean, when I when I took the cigarette, I mean, I wanted to be accepted so badly, you mm -hmm. know, by my family, especially my family, because of the dysfunction that was in the in our family unit. And I wanted to felt like that I belonged. So, you know, I thought, you know, okay, well, if I do this, then you know what? I'm going to be cool. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be able to be accepted by people. And when I took the first, the first puff of the marijuana cigarette, yes, I coughed profusely, <laughs> yeah. but, but not too long after that, it gave me that, that feeling, you know, where I, I felt like just like there was no cares, you know. So you continued I, to smoke from 10 on until you became addicted to crack cocaine? That's correct. Wow. So you did you go to school high? Did you only like smoke on the weekends? Like what? what help us understand that. Well, I was a, a runaway um, from the age of eleven all the way up until uh, my sixteenth birthday. Um, I was never at home. Mm-hmm. There's always uh, APBs put out on me. For those of y'all who don't know what an APB is, it's an all-point bulletin because I was run and go, you know, want to be where the drugs were and knew where I can drink and knew where I can get drugs for free. Mm. And all the way from that time span up until the age of 16 years old, it was in and out, in and out. Um, I go to school, uh, I no sooner check in the homeroom, go to the first period class and uh, out the back doors and then I was gone. So I wound up dropping out of school as a result of it. What uh what what grade? Ninth. Ninth grade. All right. So now here you are, um, fifteen years old, addicted, because you said before that the addiction kind of took over right away, and we'll we'll dive into that later as well. Um, so how long did you stay in that pattern of addiction? So from fifteen to what age? Without oh, divulging your age. Sorry, I guess I should have <laughs> asked you that first. That's fine. I would probably say, just give me a second here, let me think, um, for about 25 years. For so about you 25 were, years, I was in that cycle. And then, so your drugs of choice was always cocaine and crack. Did you ever do heroin or anything like that? Meth? Uh, no, I, I was into stuff that made me giddy and, you know, wanting to go, go, go. I, mm-hmm. I didn't, once I got introduced to that, you know, marijuana was really, like, at the bottom of the line for me. I, I, mm-hmm. I really didn't want that or anything that made me feel like that anymore. So crack cocaine was my drug of choice. So you had 25 years of addiction. Okay, so now we're going to get into the meat and the best part of this life clip. And I, I'm pretty certain, Debbie, that you would agree with me. You had said before that if the Lord had not been with you, Let's focus on this chapter. The first thing before we get into this that I want to say is, and again, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but generational curses are a thing. So that I'm not talking, you know, um, health wise, which those can also be broken, but temperament, anger, addictions, anything like that is called a generational curse. And within that generation, right, so Deb had mentioned her grandmother, her mother, then it trickled down to her. Those are generational curses. But according to God's word, once we become saved, we have to ask God to break those curses. Do you agree with that or do you disagree? Um, Well, I fully agree with that. We have to ask him. Um, And the reason why I say that is because there was – the word does talk about that the generation is going back to the third and fourth generation, you know, and once we're saved, um, we have to, we have to ask for, yes, the breaking of that. 
that curse. Yes, I agree with that. Okay. So, since we got that out, and I just wanted to mention that only because that's why I firmly believe addiction, anger, all of this stuff, it's not a disease that lives within us. Because we have to go to God to break what once held us bound. So, let's get to the meat. 25 years, you're addicted. 25 years, you've made the wrong choice and the wrong lifestyle. What happened in your life to bring you out of addiction? And I do want to talk a little bit as well about what you do now, but let's first talk about how God saved you. What did God do to reach you? Well, Kim, um, it actually was over a span of several years uh, that he had been working on me and um, wooing me, if you will. Um, things tried to get really hard for me out there. Uh, I couldn't get, you know, access to the things that I needed, you know, easily. Um, I'd been raped. I had been beaten up. Uh, Did I, you say you had been raped? I've been raped, yes, ma'am. Oh, wow. I had been, I've been raped at gunpoint, knife point. And uh, there was one part of my life where I didn't know it at the time, but I was in the grips of a serial killer and uh, up in Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, wow. Anybody who's familiar with that area uh, would know that uh, the story about the, the Little House of Horror is Kendall Francois, and he would go picking up prostitutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, over a two-year period of time, nine women uh, came up missing at Poughkeepsie, New York. And uh, one day he had picked me up mm -hmm. after, you know, picking me up previously, I guess, trying to build trust with me. Mm -hmm. And he brought me to his house. And I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget that day when I walked in that house as high as I was. It was just the smell of... Uh, it, was, it was like rotten garbage, mm, and there was mm. stuff all over the floor, and he brought me up into this room, and uh, there was clothes, which was probably about maybe two inches thick, just everywhere, and uh, he looked at me, and he said, I have something for you, and he used the bad word, and uh, he pulled out this long machete. And it was like right there and then. It's like this calm came over me and said, do not fight. Just lay there. Do not fight. <sighs> and I did just that. And I didn't fight. And I just looked at him and I said, what did I do to you? Why are you doing this to me? And it was like he was in this trance. And he like snapped out of it. And then he looked at me and he says, get your clothes on and get out of here now. And, you know, the, the, just a couple things. I'm going to show this, you know, how deep I was into addiction, where it had brought me, because when I left that place, instead of running to the police, what I was saying to myself is now, oh, i got to, you know, i got to try to get the X amount of money now because I just lost out. I almost lost my life. And the thing was, within a year of that time, one other girl came up missing, uh, and the, the police were already suspicious of him. They produced search warrants, and they found uh, all, all nine girls. Uh, he had he'd murdered them, and uh, they found some outside under his shed. The very room that I was in, I was the smell I was smelling was not garbage. It was rotten flesh. 
and I was so high at the time, you know, that all I cared about was just get my money and let let me out of here and let me go do this. And uh, so, you know, I really started had had to start thinking about where my life was going. And shortly thereafter, I landed up in jail. I started the back and forth with the jail. And, you know, God was just using, like, that big fish, you know, the big, my big fish was jail. Wow. <laughs> and to trap me in and, and to start dealing with me. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you one thing, Kim. I, I struggled with him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, uh, you know, one day... They put me in what's called, uh, people know it as solitary confinement. They put me in what's called lockdown. And, uh, I just, I just dropped to my knees. And I said, God, if you are real, and if you need me, you have to show yourself to me. And you know what? It, it was like this overwhelming love. This love that I've never felt. It's a love that couldn't compare to the drugs. It's a love that couldn't compare to the alcohol. It filled every single nook and cranny of my, me inside and out. And you know what? I just, I just started crying out to him right there in that, that jail cell that day. And I started praising him. I've never praised a day in my life. And I just mm-hmm. thanking him and thanking him. And the guards, they come rushing because there's all this yelling and hollering coming out of this cell. And they open the door and they're, they're like, what's going on in here? And I looked at that guard just with just a quiet solace about me and looked at them. And I said, I don't think you'd understand. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, he was yeah, he dealt with me and dealt with me and dealt with me. And I went back and forth many, many times before I finally surrendered to him. But you know what? Honestly, Kim, I wouldn't change one thing because where I was, God used that to bring mm-hmm. me where I am today. Amen. To be able to reach out to people and to let them mm-hmm. know that where they are right now, it's just a space in time. And, you know, if they make mm-hmm. a decision to come out of that space in time while there's still time, it can change. What Amen. God for me, he will do for others. Amen. And we're going to talk um, briefly about what you do now and how God has used this. But let's um, hone in to some of the things that you said. So I am not that type of Christian who thinks that every Christian walking the earth, and again, I'm trying not to use legalese, but I don't know how else to say this, but it has to be. So if you don't understand what it means, um, I'm going to try to explain it. So there are what's called carnal Christians. That's C-A-R-N-E-L, I think is how you spell it. I don't know. Spelling is not my forte. Um, but podcasts are, no, I'm just so... <laughs> There is such thing that's called a carnal Christian. And what that means is that person becomes saved, right? They accept Christ into their heart. And I don't know, are they good for three months, six months, six years, a year? I don't know. Only God knows. But they genuinely have a relationship with Christ. Unfortunately, sin pulls them back because we're always battling our flesh, which is literally our flesh. That's our body versus the spirit, which is the new creation within us. Some people are successful and some people are not. However, I want to preface this by saying, and again, I'm not God, I don't sit on a throne. I firmly believe that if someone becomes born again um, and there's not an instantaneous change, something happens, something happened to you, Deb, be sitting, I always say Deb, because you know, that's what I've called you for years, Deb B., um, you had something inside of you 
legitly change, but you battled flesh and spirit for many years. So I, I think it's hard for me to believe someone who gets saved, but then there's never been a change, like at all. That to me would raise a red flag. And again, I'm not God. I'm not judging. But there are carnal Christians. But the difference is when they're in that carnality, the furthest thing they want to be away from is God, right? They're not talking about God and they're probably not plugging in and reading the word and praying and going to church because there's that rub in their spirit with their flesh. So they're born again, but not really living for God because they're embarrassed. I mean, I know I was when I was in rebellion. So with that being said, Deb, you just said it, that you went back and forth for a bit battling the flesh and the spirit. So we have to keep it in context of God's word. You weren't battling Debbie now. You weren't battling addiction. You were battling the old versus the new. So how long did that process take? And what I would like for you is to maybe speak upon that just for a little bit to encourage maybe a carnal Christian out there right now. What would you say? Well, first of all, you know, when we're born again, okay, that's what the whole thing means. Born again, that means that you've come out of something, okay? Something's been recreated, you know, rebirthed, all right? So with that being said, our, our, our thought processes change. Our desires start to change. Okay, mm-hmm. but before that process, before we actually become born again and we're just, you know, we're just saved and it kind of goes no, no further than that, you know, we know that we have a very real enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 and then the Bible tells us that, you know, First Peter 5, 8, you know, that the enemy, he roared, walked around like a, a roaring lion seeking, seeking mm-hmm. whom he may devour. You know, and, uh, you know, like I said, the many years, you know, had went by, I would probably say a good another 10 years from that point where I still struggled and I fell back and I kept, you know, I kept picking up the drinks and I kept, you know, going back, you know, and, and each time it was shorter and shorter and shorter. But what happened was is that I had to allow the Holy Spirit to come into my life, you know, and to truly allow him to come in and change me, to allow the Word of God to actually take its rightful place in my life. Okay, and mm-hmm. and that you know, and and until we get to that point, you know, we're always going to be struggling because the word tells us that you know the the flesh and the spirit they they're constantly at war with one another because they're contrary one to another. You know, our sinful desires and our sin nature wants what it wants, what it wants, but the spirit of God. Well, you know, says, well, this is, you know, how it should be, and this is, you know, what you should be wanting. And so the, the, the spirit seeks after the things of God, and the flesh seeks after the things of the world. Mm-hmm. And until I learned the difference between those two things, I wasn't clearly able to, to say, okay, well, you know what, I need to go, you know, in this direction, or I need to go in that direction, instead of, you know, saying, hey, you know, well, Okay, well, you know, I'm feeling off kilter today, and uh, today's just not going good for me. So you know what? I'm just going to go pick up a drug, or I'm just going to go ahead and drink and go back to my old life. You see, and that's typically how it happens with most drug addicts and alcoholics when they haven't ha- been able to be able to have that spirit of discernment to understand what our fleshly sin nature is doing and why it's doing what it's doing and pulling us in the direction is is pulling us until we get to understand that and understand God's will, perfect will, for our lives.
successfully. And I agree. So I know this is your life clip, but um, just so our family knows, um, Debbie and I. <laughs> stupid. You can call me Debbie. That's okay. You can so, I know. So Debbie and I, we, I'll just give a brief because this, again, this is not my life clip. Um, I was in rebellion. I was backslidden and I do believe in once saved, always saved. God is not a Indian giver. Once we are saved, no one can pluck us out of his hand. Unfortunately, um, again, flesh and spirit, they battle and they battle hard. And we read about the spiritual battle in the entire chapter of Ephesians chapter 6. And if you haven't read it, you need to, because that's where our battle lies, is in the spiritual realm. So with that being said, I made poor choices from the ages of 18 to 38. I was in severe rebellion. I was addicted to alcohol and also pornography. And I lived a really bad life. However, in those moments, I really think, I honestly know, not think, that if I were to die or fly, and that's the rapture, which, again, that's another podcast, but not this one, I would be taken or I'd be in heaven. The problem is I wouldn't have any crowns to lay before Christ's feet, and all of my works would be burned up because I wouldn't bring anything to the kingdom. I wouldn't be kicked out but I wouldn't be shining the brightest, put it that way. So with all that being said, um, you had mentioned, which is really important, and I want you to just sit there for a little bit. You had said, until they realize. So what kind of advice could you give to someone who is battling an addiction to to, to have them realize that there is hope in Christ, that there is a way out, that this doesn't have to control them. And do you think that a born-again believer can stay an addict for years without a change? So I guess that's a two-fold question. Okay. Well, you know what? One thing that I've learned over my over my time is that, you know, the devil, he easily refunds your misery, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, and, 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 he, and he's quick to do it, too. You know, um, you know, the Bible for me is Hebrews nine twenty seven has been a, a great foundation, foundational scripture for me because it says that it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. Mm-hmm. And really, in light of eternity, in light of where I was in my life, I said, you know what? Well, the Bible's telling me, God, your word is telling me that, you know, if I die to my sin right now, so basically you're going to see one of two things when you look at me. You're going to see the blood of your son because of a surrendered life and a heart that accepted him as Lord and Savior, and you're going to see the blood and my sin's going to be atoned, or you're going to see the dark blackness of my sin. Mm. And I said, I said, Self, what is he going to see? And, and, and the answer was, he's going to see my sin. Mm-hmm. And I really, really started putting in perspective eternity. You know, um, you know, because if, if this life is not all that we have, we know that as believers. Mm-hmm. You know, but for the unbeliever, you know, that's that's really hard thing for them to put their uh, their hand their head around. Mm-hmm. But until we come to terms with that and understand that it's only through grace we are saved by faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. What you know, does that so mean? What happened, if I didn't know what that meant, how would you explain that to me? That there's nothing I 
absolutely nothing that I can do to merit God's decision to save me, mm-hmm. except to surrender mm-hmm. and accept the gift of salvation that was mm-hmm. offered through Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross when he, when, he, when he shed that blood. You know, when he said, it is finished. You know, mm-hmm. when it pierced his eyes, you know, mm-hmm. at, at, that, at that point, you know, that, that's what that means. Mm-hmm. For those gotcha. Right. So we're saved through grace, through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So gotcha. Okay. So if if we were to explain that and break that down, grace is unmerited favor. And right. then faith is just believing that Jesus did die, buried, and of course he rose again as sitting at the right hand of the Father. So that's the faith of believing, right, in your heart, all of those things. And there's no, we can't do anything within ourselves. So I can't say, well, I stopped all of these addictions on my own and I read self-help books and I did yoga and meditation. There's nothing that brought me um, into heaven based upon my works. I, I, I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do. Um, okay, so then we answered that, and then the second part was, um, what would you say to someone on to get out of the addiction? I think that was the second part, right? Yeah. Um, just like I said earlier, you know, it's like, you know, you can, there's an old saying, is if you do what you did and you think how you thought, you're going to get what you got. And when Wait, we say that one more time? Lives, say that one more time and a little slower. When you do what you did and you think what you thought, you're going to get what you got. Mm-hmm. Nothing changes, nothing changes. And that might sound really cliche, but there's a lot of a lot of validity to that and a lot mm-hmm. of meat in that because, you know, if, if if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to come in and God's word to transform us, to transform us, renew our mind, you know, Second Corinthians five seventeen. Mm-hmm. If any man be in Christ is a new creature, old things pass away, behold all things become new. Mm-hmm. So if if we're still operating you know, and doing the same things, you know, over and over and over again, we know that's the definition of insanity, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, so you know, unless unless we make a, a decision to, to come to terms with that, you know, and it's everything we're doing is superficial, mm-hmm. we're doomed to repeat. We're doomed to repeat. Mm-hmm. And that, when you said that, that actually wasn't the second part. It, the second part was, um, do you think... And again, we're not God, so I'm not judging. But if someone continues in addiction, heroin, crack, cocaine, and that's their life, um, and, and again, I, I want to tread lightly here, but do you think they're truly saved? If they became saved and they're living that way, I'm talking hardcore, not like I messed up and I did a line of coke at a party. Like they said they found Christ, got saved, and then they go right back into it and they just continue to stay there. What are, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Kim, uh, what I would say to that is, you know, Jesus said that you'll know a tree by its fruit, you know, and, uh, you know, if, if if we're living for Christ, we're going to show fruit that we are living for Christ. We're going to do things radically different than mm-hmm. we did in contrast to our old life, you know. Um, right. You know, if, going back to what I said before, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, you cannot come to Christ, you know, and, and and be born again and something not happen inside where your thoughts change, your mm-hmm. desires change. Now, I'm not saying that people cannot mess up because the Bible tells us, Paul said that all have fallen short, you know, shouldn't have fallen short of God's glory. You 
make it habitual. And when something becomes habitual, then I would question, personally for me, I would question if, like, if I'm going to say that I, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a born-again believer or I'm a Christian, you know, and I use that term very carefully, um, but mm-hmm. to say that I'm a Christian but I'm living like the rest of the world, um, mm-hmm. and then nothing has changed. We mm-hmm. haven't, we haven't, you know, um, we haven't been born again. Right. And I agree. And again, um, I, I think Debbie and I agree on this point. We're not judging anyone. I'm not telling you, mm-hmm. but we are to judge those. I believe it's first Corinthians chapter 15 or five. I know there's a five in there somewhere where we are to judge those who say that they're in the church. We are to do that. I'm not to judge anyone walking in the world because you can't scold a blind man for not being able to see. But exactly. if I had a friend who was just sitting around getting drunk, getting high, having sex, I would question that, like in a very loving but truthful manner. So I think that's right. what we're trying to get through. And I hope my family out there listening understands that we're not here judging because none of us sit on a throne. We're just saying, oh, gosh. Because repentance, okay, does not mean confession of sins. Repentance means, metatauta in the Greek, is to change one's direction that they were going. So you're going to do a complete 180 in your life. However, you're still always going to battle the flesh and the spirit. So, um, Deb, I know your time is limited uh, right now. So I want to end this podcast. With Okay, so we understood that you lived 25 years in addiction. Um, Satan had you bound. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, yes. Okay, so Satan, as I've said before in, I think, the first episode, he's not some red horn, pitchfork, ugly dude. Satan is gorgeous. If sin was ugly, nobody would be a sinner. Sin is enticing. The devil is enticing. The devil is beautiful. So, therefore, he entices us with beautiful things, and it's called sin. But, unfortunately, those beautiful sins are actually deadly, and they will send you to hell. So, we have this devil who kept you in bondage and blinded you with the beauty of addiction and the euphoric feeling of being high for 25 years. Christ came in, and he broke those chains He broke those addictions. You began to journey and get closer and prayer and reading the word. And I'm saying it because I know she's so diligent in God's word. But because of time constraints, I don't want her to go through all of that. So you have stayed diligent on the path with the Lord. Where has God taken and just give five minutes because, again, I know you have to go. So you got saved There was a bit of a battle in in the middle. Now you got radically saved and God completely changed your life. What path did God keep you on? What what did this life clip do? What did God say, okay, I'm going to use this life clip and now you're going to do this? For my kingdom. Amen, Kim. You know, um, since that that day, um, I've had such a great burden to help others who've been through exactly the same thing that I've been. And God's given me such a heart for the lost. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, especially those who are out there struggling with drugs and alcohol, you know. Um, back in 2001, the Lord planted my feet. Uh, this is when I was just, you know, getting on fire for the Lord. He planted my feet inside this ministry. And the ministry, uh, they had what they called a discipleship training program. And so I came on board, you know, because I still needed help. And I wanted to serve the Lord, and I needed direction. So, you know, they took me in under their wing, and uh, I spent I spent about ten years in that ministry. And I'll tell you one thing, uh, you know, they, they they would take the drug and alcohol again. They would, you know, introduce them to Christ, you know, and you know, teach them about Christ and get them radically saved, and and then send them out. You know, and, and that's basically what it's all about. And uh, to this day, you know, it's still I still carry that uh, very heavy on my heart. And you know, I still we still we take even people in our home, um, you know, who the Lord brings, of course, up. But the people who wind up coming into our home are normally struggling with some kind of addiction, or and the Lord's calling them and wanting mm-hmm. them to come close. I'm not saying this is because of me, because it's not mm-hmm. because of me. I'm just mm-hmm. ready, willing, and available. Right. The Lord would draw draw them. Correct. And, uh, and, and let me you interrupt know. you. So hold that thought. So just so our audience knows, that's how I met Debbie. I lost it all. I got evicted. My car got repoed. Um, and I moved in. I rented a room, um, my dogs and I, in this home. And so she is correct. God led me there. And what was funny, and Debbie knows I've said this story all the time. I was raised in church, but I knew the hypocrites in church and that's what kept me from church because those hypocrites were the same ones doing the same things I was doing but yet acting like they were some born again hot stuff highfalutin Christian so when Debbie and Roy said we're Christians I was like yeah okay whatever they legitly were Christians born again let's just call it what it is they were followers of Christ and that began began to rub my spirit because God moved me into that home. And that's what she's saying. God puts the people in their home for the season they need to be in. And that season, I don't know how long it took. I, I don't even think when I moved out, I was still walking with the Lord. I think the seeds were, no, they were. I did. I got saved. There, I take that back. I rededicated my life back to the Lord. Yes. I'm sorry. I did. But I still battled with not the alcohol, but the pornography a year after I left. I needed God to take that. So, but without the intervention of Debbie and Roy and God leading, I don't know where I would be today. I would probably be a raging alcoholic. Uh, just... Whatever. So that's why I wanted to cut you off, sis, because I, me, the podcast creator, was in that home. And I remember every stinking morning I would get up and want just my coffee. And there they were, especially Debbie, sitting at that stupid table with the Bible open. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was so tired. The praying and the reading. And I'm like, and they just had this, bless you. Jesus is so good. And then she would play the Christian music. I remember I told her to kindly turn down the music. I don't want to hear it. Girl never shut that music off. She turned it down, but I could still hear it. So I was being 
right? I was being ministered to while I was there from day one. I remember my mom's reaction, like, oh, they're Christians. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. But anyway, so sorry to cut you off. I personally can attest to the ministry that God has used with both Debbie and her husband. So go ahead, finish. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, not a problem. And, you know, it is such a blessing, Kim, to see where the Lord has brought you over these past 10 years, you know, and see what he's doing in you now. And I'm just really excited, you know, to, to see him continue to use you and to see the love that you have for not only, you know, for his people, but also for his word. You know, and uh, and that's what it's about. You know, it's about falling in love with Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. and allowing him to come in and transform our lives so we can go out there, you know. The, Jesus says that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few, mm-hmm. you know. And we, the time is really, really short, you know, and there's so mm-hmm. many people out there. What I really would like to say to the people out there is that there's so many people out there who's, who's had that life transformation, who's, you know, had that encounter with Christ and, you know, um, don't think you think that happened to you were by accident. Yeah, things happen in a fallen world, but God could turn them around and use them for his glory. You mm. know, um, everybody's story is their story, but there's also other people out there going and suffering the same exact things that we're, we've suffered and we've mm-hmm. gotten through it. But we get the opportunity and the privilege to, to tell them about it. You know, my husband and I, we we don't go out as much as we used to. You know, we used to have the sign ministry, but we're out there, you know, several times a week, you know, down in the soup kitchens and the byways and the highways, you know, passing out tracts and food and just letting them know how much Jesus loved them, you mm-hmm. know, and, and telling them about, you know, God's, not only God's love, but the, 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 the uh, reality of heaven and hell, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not everybody, not everybody, uh, you know, receive that gladly, you know. But mm-hmm. then again, we have mm-hmm. others who say, oh, can I get that literature that you have, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we talk about God, you know, and it, it's about the time being short and us, you know, winning people over to the Lord. So, mm-hmm. you know, with that, I just I just want to encourage, you know, the listening audience, you know, if you're feeling led by the Holy Spirit and you feel that little nudge in your heart, you know, just to say something to somebody, you know, when they're there and you're fighting it, don't fight it. Just say, be obedient, open your mouth, let the words come out and let the Lord use you. Amen. Amen. So in closing, um, maybe take 30 seconds to a minute. If I want you to speak to somebody who may come across this podcast and in the name of Jesus, I ask that it goes forth. Let this minister to somebody. But what would you say to that person who is battling addiction currently, no matter what the addiction is, right? It could be anything. I mean, addiction is not just always drugs addiction is a lot of stuff right so what would you say to somebody battling addiction um what would your solution be to them what would you say for them to get out of the darkness that they're in well there's two scriptures that come to mind kim the first one is that the bible says that you know there's a way that seems right to man but the past you know they lead to destruction and then another scripture i think on john uh 14 or 16 is jesus said i come to give life and to give it abundantly, but the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy, you know, and, you know, addiction and drugs and alcohol and where you're at right now, it's, it's, it, it does not have to be your final destination. There is more to life. You just, you just have to learn to recognize that we are in need of a Savior, that we can't do this by ourselves, and we just need to cry out to God, because the Bible says that anyone, whosoever, calls on 
Well, amen, Debbie. Um, this has been a pleasure. Um, I'm definitely going to have you back on just to talk about your um, your ministry, and I am hoping to also get one of your uh, friends to uh, come on here and to share also her life clip, um, what she's been through, and uh, how she can help people as well. But I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming here, sharing your life clip. But most importantly, sharing what Christ has done in this life clip and to relay to our listeners that there's hope. And that's the point of this podcast is there's hope. And it's not hope within ourselves because, see, if it was truly a disease, there's a cure, right? But if it's a disease, as they say, it's something that you can always go back to or you can catch again, so to speak. And that's why I don't believe it's a disease because... With Christ and his healing power of salvation, the disease is permanently healed. You are in permanent remission, but you have to be strong to always lean on him because we're always going to battle our flesh. So anyway, sis, listen, have yourself a fantastic evening. Give the family a big hello. And I appreciate you again so much. Um, you bless my heart so much. And I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for being here. Feel better. And we will chit chat again. All right, Kim. It was nice talking to you. All right. Thanks have a good one. Today. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. If this is your first time here, thanks for listening. Feel free to share this podcast with your friends, family, or even perhaps your enemies. We look forward to you becoming a part of this Life Clips family. Life Clips is produced every Friday. You can stream us on Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. Also, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Life Clips Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Clips life.